Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, worship team. I actually want to start off by just acknowledging uh, all those who make Sunday morning possible, the worship team, the media team, announcements, youth. Amen. So thankful for how people serve tirelessly, and that's a good segue into what I'm going to say now. For those of you who've been attending New Community for some time, maybe a few months, a couple of years, and you're not plugged in, perhaps God has given you a gift or a passion for ministry in some area of the church, whether it's youth, whether it's the worship team, media, volunteer. I would encourage you to join in. We can always use more volunteers, so please consider that. All right, and you don't have to be a member, although there's, you know, there's a membership process I would encourage you to go through, but if you're going to call a new community your home, get plugged in. All right? Yeah. So, my name is Tim White. I am the care minister. It's always a pleasure to be before you. One final acknowledgement. Of course, this is Black History Month. I will have you know, though, that I am black all year round. Amen. 365 days of the year. And as far as I'm concerned, black history is American history. So I think there's always uh, uh, an opportunity throughout the year when we reflect on the history of this country and so on, you're going to find black folks. So it's always a time to acknowledge the, the, not only the struggle and the pain, but the joy, the creativity, the strength, the ingenuity, the moral courage, all of those things. And ultimately, I acknowledge the ways that God continues to show up in broken, sinful human history to bring about redemption. And so I must always acknowledge the way God has worked in history and empowered people to overcome great trials and tribulations. So, uh, as Sean mentioned, we are starting a new sermon series, Waiting on God. And so I'll be doing the first of that, and we'll be looking at the Old Testament. And so the passage I want to begin reading today uh, comes from Genesis 16. It's a story you are all familiar with, and uh, I'll be up front. I am going to do what I normally do to you all. I will throw a bunch of scriptures at you because uh, I think it's important because you, I want you to see not just from me talking, but how scripture is filling in some of the details, answering certain questions and so forth. And that's why I like to do that. But we'll begin reading in Genesis 16, starting at verse 1, we'll go through verse 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, Hagar, when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am, I am suffering. 
I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. He says, your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. Then the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that, excuse me, it was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to her, your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they would be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant. You will give birth to a son. You shall call, you shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called uh, Bir Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. This is the word of the Lord. All right. All right, so brief context, as I love to give, uh, as I started out saying, God is intervening into broken, sinful human history. So first of all, do not be surprised when you see broken, sinful human stuff happening. God is entering into history. We can know what right now we're in Genesis, going back to the fall, humanity is a mess, okay? But now God is coming up on the scene. I am the true God. And he appears to Abram beginning in Genesis 12. Follow me. Here's what I want you to do. Leave your father's house, everything that you know, your land. And you're going to go to a land where I'm going to show you. God is specifically calling Abram. So here's one thing you need to know. When God calls anybody... <laughs> It's never about that person. It's always about the work that God is going to do in and through them. So when God in any times comes to us, we are not in the shape or the disposition that we should be in. Many times we're broken and messed up, and I can't speak for you, but if I look at myself in the mirror, I can boldly say that if, apart from Christ, apart from his grace, I have no clue what kind of foolishness I would be into. Amen. Maybe some of us can attest to that. Without Christ, I'd be in a mess. So I want you to have that in your mind when God is breaking into history and we see these human beings who are jacked up because we see some jacked up stuff. What is God doing? God is establishing the lineage of the Messiah. He's going to raise up the people of Israel. Ultimately, the Messiah will come through this. And throughout history, along the way, we see broken, jacked up, sinful people. The focus, though, is on the God who calls and the purpose that God is working in history. So God calls Abram to his purpose. As I said, this is all about God. But leading up, before I get to this text, because we see some action taking place, 
A little bit more history. I'm going to read Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6. God is beginning to make certain promises to Abram. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So before we get to Genesis 16, we see this beautiful promise that God is making to Abram. But there's a problem. He doesn't have any children. His wife is barren. She's been barren all her life. So, yet God's promise still stands. But as you well know, there's a human tendency to get impatient. There's a human tendency to lean on our own understanding as to how God is going to accomplish something, right? As you can see in the story, going back to Genesis 16, There's this conversation with Sarai, recognizes, look, God has given me no children. Now, God has given this promise, but how exactly is it going to happen? You say, God has given me no children, so here's an idea. You take my slave, and yes, you hear this term slave. Some passages say servant. Um, we're looking into an ancient world of servitude. Now, we don't want to make the mistake of kind of reading into what happened in our context and onto that time, but it is an ancient world, ancient practices, okay? So you're going to see things like this, servitude, slavery, and so on. We don't want to necessarily impose on that ideas of what we understand, but we do see things like that, and there's all kinds of scholarship dealing with that. But the idea is, let's go with the way that we know and understand. This is an ancient practice of not only polygamy, but surrogacy, right? Go into my maid, go into my servant or my slave. slave. So she gave, him, gave her to him to be his wife, and he slept with Hagar, thinking, okay, this is the natural means because we can't have kids, okay? And how often are we tempted to sort of fill in the details for God? right? How often are we tempted to kind of map it all out? Maybe God has given you a certain call, a vision, a passion on your heart, but then there's that human side that's like, how is this going to happen? And if in my own mind I can't make sense of it, then I need to try to fill in the details. And that's what's happening in this story, right? I think about my wife and I, we regularly have calendar meetings where we lay out the next few months, here's what's happening. And let's be honest, many times I want God to do that for me too. 
I want to have a calendar meeting with God. I want you to lay out the next five to 10 years of my life. Tell me everything that's coming, when it's coming. I want to know the dates where God says, this date, I'm going to do something amazing. So be ready for that. And all of that, I want God to do that. But many times, as you see, God doesn't do that. God just kind of takes us step by step, little by little, keep trusting, keep believing me. But our human tendency is still there. So we're tempted to take things into our own hands, and we may even be tempted to do things through illegitimate means. We can make unwise decisions, hasty decisions, and sometimes maybe even sinful decisions, right? Because we're trying to figure this thing out. I think about a personal, uh, just a personal example of someone who's close to me. I'm not going to name her, but years and years ago, she was uh, very much, you know, wanting to have a family, a child. Uh, not sure what, what was all in her thinking, but she decided, you know, she didn't want to wait. And she didn't want to do things the right way, you know, like be married, start a family, things like that. So she hooked up with a guy. Okay, there was something they planned to do. She hooked up, got pregnant the first time, miscarriage. Did it again, second time. She's pregnant. She gets what she wanted. And that young man is a strong 15-year-old young man, and God has plans for him, and God's going to do amazing things through it. But still, there's tension. There's a little bit of fallout. While this young man's life matters and God's going to do amazing things, he still has to come up now in an intense situation. He's coming up in a divided home. He lives with his mother. His father's married to someone else. And he's divided between two different homes. God is still able to work, but yet there's still tension he's going to have to deal with now. His parents are not in the same household. I want to drive that home because we see the same kinds of tensions in the text. What happens? Abram goes into Hagar. She gets pregnant. Well, Hagar realizes now I'm doing something for Abram that Sarai can't do. I'm providing him an heir. So she starts looking down on Sarai. That's tension, drama. So now Sarai goes to Abram, this is your fault. You did this to me. I gave her to you, and now she despises me. And I'm thinking for a moment, like, Abram, like, didn't you tell me to do it? Like, I listened to you. I did what you wanted. And then more brokenness happens, and then he's just like, I want to keep the peace. She's your slave. You do what you want with her. So what does Sarai do? More human brokenness. She mistreats her. Hagar leaves. I told you, it's a lot of human brokenness here. But I want to point out how God is still showing up in the midst. For one, God still cares for Hagar when she goes away. It's a beautiful promise. God's going to turn. God is going to make a great nation out of Ishmael. Go back, submit yourself. And God's going to keep working in this situation. But we cannot step, uh, 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 we can't put aside the fact 
that sometimes when we make broken decisions, there are lasting consequences that don't just impact us, right? There are others involved. It may not be sinful decisions. It may be just unwise decisions. Maybe God has given you great ideas for business and whatnot, but because you might, you're impatient, maybe you move too fast and you make certain business connections that maybe were untimely, or you start taking out a bunch of loans and then the business doesn't pan out and now you're left with a bunch of debt that's now due, which now puts a strain on your finances, which now puts a strain on your marriage, which also may impact your own health, right? God can still show up and redeem, but there's still some fallout. There's still consequences we have to deal with. God can forgive, but there's still challenges. So we're in the midst of this drama, but what I love is that God continues to reiterate the promise. Genesis 17, verses one through five, and then we'll jump to verses 15 through 22. When Abram was 99 years old, so this is 13 years later after Ishmael has been conceived already and has been born. 13 years later, Ishmael is 13 years old. So God appears to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Jumping down to verse 15. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations, kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. As I mentioned earlier, when God calls, it's about his purposes, not about us. So sometimes we can look at stuff and why is God doing that and that? Well, that doesn't seem fair. It's about God's purposes. God already told Abraham, hey, I'm going to give you a son. He and Sarah took things in their own hands. 
in the midst of that decision, God's saying, I'm still going to bless Ishmael. No doubt about that. God said, I'm still going to care for him. But still, my purpose is through Isaac. God continues to renew his promises to Abraham, but yet Abraham still struggles to trust God. He still continues to lean on his own understanding. This has to be done in a way that makes sense to me. And it's interesting how Abraham just gets all scientific with God. It's funny when we get all scientific with God, when we start now educating God on biology, because he's talking about, I'm old, she's old, is this really gonna happen, like for real? God, like you don't understand the way things work, biological clock, there are just some things in place, God, you don't get. And there's a moment we gotta stop and say, who are, who are we talking to right, right now? As God said earlier, I am God Almighty. But y'all know we do this. It shows up in different ways. I'm too old, I'm too young, too broke, too bruised, too hurt. I don't have all the connections and so on. God sometimes gives us a call to do something, but in our mind we say, well, in order for this to happen, I have to be in this school, get these credentials, I have to live in this neighborhood, I have to make these kinds of connections, I have to know all of these people, this has to be lined up in order for that to happen. And then when we get caught up in ourselves and impatient, we start making bonehead decisions, we start moving places we're not supposed to, making connections that God didn't tell us to. Because we think <laughs> this is how it has to be. not realizing that God has a plan and he's going to work it, but it's not always our timing. <laughs> so whatever that is today, just reflect on that for a moment. Are there things in your life where you've said that, you're doing that? Because I know about that. We got new folks coming in all the time. I just moved to Chicago. And you're asking questions, what's next for me? <laughs> Life changes, what do I do now? I have a call, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? I need to get connected. But this is a place where we need to meet God. Genesis 18. All right, so I love this text. Uh, God appears to Abraham again. <laughs> so you see how time is passing. God appears to him again. They still don't believe. God continues to renew the promises. And so these three men show up. It's the earlier part of this. Three men show up. And two of them we later identify as the angels who went to Sodom and Gomorrah little later, but there's one here who's identified as the Lord. So we would call this a theophany, where, where there's a physical manifestation of God, right? So this character is identified as the Lord who shows up to Abraham. So God shows up in person, appearing as a man. 
And, you know, Abraham, he does his, you know, hospitality, gets some food for them and so on. And then here's the conversation that ensues. Verse 9. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. <laughs> Same promise. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance at, to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. That part's always funny to me. You know, it's just like, I didn't laugh, yeah, you did. Quit lying. I love that because we have to keep going back to God because God, like I said, is showing up in history and revealing himself to these people, and they're learning what it is to trust God. Yes. And like us, we don't always get it right, make bonehead decisions, and yet God continues to renew the promise, you're going to have a son through your wife. He still doesn't believe it, still doesn't get it. He still gets biological on God. You still don't understand certain things, God. She's past childbearing years. But we keep seeing the God who can do the impossible, right? And many times, God shows up in those very situations. When we're looking at our credentials, our connections, or lack thereof, we're staring at our bank account. And we're asking, well, how am I going to accomplish this, God? Because it doesn't make sense to my natural mind. And that's a very good thing. Because that's the place where God says, that's where I show up. Yeah. Do you trust me? Yeah. <laughs> Are you patient enough to trust that I know more than you? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Time and time again, even though there's doubt and there's unbelief, God keeps saying, I told you, you're going to have a son. In the midst of your foolish decisions, I told you, you're still going to have a son. I'm old. You're still going to have a son. Your wife is beyond, my wife is beyond childbearing years. You're still going to have a son. And there comes a point where you and I have to get our eyes off of ourselves and our resources and reflect on who we're talking to. When God shows up and says, I am God Almighty, do you believe it? And God says, I can do amazing things. I can do the impossible. Do you really believe it? Because God is still going to be there saying, I told you what I'm, uh, what I'm able to do. 
do you trust me? And we bump our heads all different ways, different times until we get the message. Do you trust me? Do you know who you're dealing with? And that part's always powerful to me, this point where God just shows up. And says, why did you laugh, Sarah? Why do you keep doubting me? Because you apparently don't know who's sitting in the room with you. You don't know who's in your presence right now or whose presence you're in. So I want us to take a moment and actually reflect on that. And long story short, God's promises come true. When we get to Genesis 21, Isaac is born. What God said came to pass. But we still have to deal with the results of human choices because the drama didn't end. Because Isaac comes on the scene and now Sarah is like, well, Ishmael isn't going to share in the inheritance of my son. So they got to go. And Abraham, to keep the peace, sends Ishmael, his son, and Hagar away. I told you the drama continues, even after the promise of God comes true. But yet God still shows up and still cares for Hagar, finds her in the desert, her and her son about to die. God says, I'm still going to care for you. God is still going to work through Abraham and Sarah. Despite all of the foolishness that's going on and decisions that people are making, we still see God's nature is constant. So what am I saying to us today? There's a call to trust God more than our feelings, our own intellect, more than our know-how, more than what's in our bank account, more than how we think things have to look. Because God has a way of working things that you never thought of. You, you may not have thought, you know, that before you made that business decision that maybe God brought you to Chicago, to new community, and you got connected and not knowing that a year from now, maybe just maybe there's, uh, God brings someone to the church who has an answer to your situation that God connects you to. And they actually have the resources to fund what God has given you. But if you're impatient and you're going in debt, now we have all this drama to deal with. And so it's just pausing to let God be God and trust the process, right? 14 years passed from when God initially promised Abraham to when Isaac showed up on the scene. We've got to trust God's timing. Y'all know this, we don't like it, but God doesn't move on our timetable. 
right? And that's where we get impatient and frustrated and make hasty decisions. So that's where we trust God. Lord, you know more than me. So Lord, I will trust you with the timetable, the results, the outcome. And then what do I do in the meantime while waiting? Well, we've got to trust what we know about God. The call to continue to serve God, to worship God, to say that, Lord, you are my everything. I don't see the next step just yet. I don't know what's coming around the corner. But all I have is this word that you gave me. So I'm going to trust you with that. And in the times when I tend to get impatient, I need to combat that. And can I rest in what God is doing? Can I rest in the God of the universe that you have good plans for me? You have the best intentions for me. But you're also growing me. And that's what God does for us in the waiting period. Because sometimes there may be things God has promised us, but there's a process God wants to take us through before he gives it to us. Because if God gives it to me now, I might abuse it. If God gives this thing to me now, I might turn it into an idol and worship it. So that may be why this hasn't come to fruition yet, because there are some lessons God wants me to learn about loving him and serving him so that when that finally shows up, I'm not going to worship it. I'm going to know how to handle that wisely and properly because along the way, God has been my source, not the thing I'm after, right? Not the promise. Yes, the promise is beautiful and wonderful, but the emphasis is on trusting the God who promised. Okay? So just pause for a moment. You can close your eyes. You can do whatever you want, but if you can just hold in your hands, however you want to do that, hold before you, whether those promises of God, dreams or visions God has given you, that you're holding before God and you're praying, God, when, Lord, how long? In whatever way you see fit, just to yield that thing to God. And these can be good things, not necessarily meaning that you've stepped into sin or anything like that, but we need to guard against unwise decisions. Hold that in your hand and give that to God. And I need you to ask the question, Lord, do I love this promise more than I love you? Or can I faithfully yield this to you and say, God, you know best that your timing, your way, and I will trust that. Let's take a moment.
and we trust that God's resources are limitless. Trust that your way is best. The story certainly continues, the saga continues, the drama continues, but we still see our faithful Lord who is committed to us in our frailty, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our drama that we create. And God continues to remind us of his word time and time again. I want you to know that maybe you are in situations, if you are in situations where you didn't make the right decisions, you made unwise choices because of fear, frustration. That we still see God in the midst, guiding us. We still see redemption, we still see forgiveness. We still see a faithful God who will fulfill his promises. Lord, I pray for your people today. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for how you've shown up in human history and done amazing things in impossible situations where our minds have told us this can't work, but you say yes. Lord, take those things today that we've held before you, whatever they are, precious promises you've given us, joys that we look for, but we're struggling with your timing, we're struggling with resources, we're struggling with our own intellect and how things should work out. I ask you, God, for your people that we will trust you, to trust that your way is better, to trust that you know more than we do to trust that your way is always right. And help us along the way as we wait to rest in that truth. When we are tempted to be impatient, we're tempted to get sidetracked. Help us to see you, Lord God. God Almighty, who sustains us. Bless your people today. In Jesus' name, amen.